Man, God's good, isn't he? All the time. Yeah, for those of you that are uh, not acquainted with that saying. uh, Hold on, I got a button that's going to change all the lighting. Nope, never mind, it didn't change any lighting. (laughs) Oh, it did. Can you get the house lights up, please? Thank you. Um, The saying, if you don't know the saying, is I say God is good and you say all the time and then we reverse it. And I say all... (laughs) Hold up. Then I say all the time, you say... God is good. All right, so let's go back to the top. God is good. All the time. And all the time... I think it's good to remind ourselves of that. It's good to remind ourselves of that. Because no matter what life is throwing at us, God is still on his throne, and he's worthy of all praise and honor. That is a true statement. Mind shift. Wow. Well, welcome to week one of more. I won't be up here too long, just FYI. This is kicking off our our series together, and this is going to be a little longer series. You're going to see this chair here for several reasons throughout this series. I truly believe everything inside of me that God has more for you. God has more for you. It's not that God wants more from you. It's that God has more for you. I believe it. I think for some of us, this is a statement where the condition of your soul is today. You're longing for more of Jesus. You're longing to sit there and go, man, I want more of him. I want to be exactly like King David in that psalm. Where it says, the one thing I desire above everything is just more of you, to be in your presence. I know maybe the status of your soul this morning, some of you are longing to become deep in your faith. You know there's more and you want to go into the deeper depths of the faith pool, if you will. For some of you, there's that stirring and awakening that has transpired last year to get you out of the kiddie pool and into the deep end. For the others of you, you've been in the deep end, but you know I can't wait to go out even to more depths than I've ever gone in my relationship before. God is willing to take you there. My question is, are you ready? Do you have a posture that says, Lord, take me? It's a posture of surrender. I think this is, this statement has crept into the Christian church in America in particular. I can't speak for the other nations. But as I talk to a lot of my pastor friends that pastor different denominations and talk to even some of their leaders that are higher up, This is the fear that's creeping into the American church. And God's awakening us to this. 
that he wants to take us more. And it's this, that we can become quote unquote experts in the Christian life without growing any closer to Jesus. You may know some parts of scripture. You may know even the Lord's prayer. You know it's good to come to church maybe here and there. You know the religious, if you will, the obligations to do. It feels as though you're an expert in the Christian faith, but if it boils down to it, you know you're not an inch deep in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it feels as if a facade has crept into the church. You can fool all of us. Please hear my heart. But you can't fool God. He has so much more for us. So much more. That we no longer become experts in the Christian life, if you will. You and I come true disciples of Jesus Christ. We become in it more and more like the image of Jesus Christ to our families, to our friends, where we work, where we live, where we play. This is why last week, if you were here, we pray over what's a word that the Lord needs to take us or wants to guide us in the next year. And 2023 is a year of more. That God has awakened us in 2022, many of us, to something that is the stirring. I like to say, excuse me, there's the the awakening to the fire of God that's in our bellies. Some of you have been awakened to that. And now he's ready to take us into the deeper ends of our faith, the more of faith. And here's what I know. We call ourselves, if you're in this room here this morning and you're a Christian, you should call yourself a a disciple of Jesus. You call yourself a follower of him. We call ourselves, if you will, a disciple apprenticed under a rabbi in the ancient world. Jesus was the disciple's rabbi. You can call ourselves little Jesuses. You can call ourselves apprentices of Jesus Christ. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, that means you and I are looking like Jesus. We're doing what Jesus did in our lives. And this statement is like the foundation for the movement of our teaching series. If we truly desire to be like Jesus, then we will take the way of life Jesus lived. If you say, I'm following after Jesus, the life of Jesus you have picked up and are living out. Here is the issue. The issue is we want Jesus to get out of hell. We like Jesus to save us from our sins, but we don't like Jesus to tell us how to live our lives. That is called the lordship of Jesus, that he is master We hire Jesus as Savior, save me, but we fire him as Lord. Thanks for the ticket out of hell. I appreciate that. And I'll see you on the other side. I'll live my life the way I want to live now. I'll do the things I do. 
And thank God for four gospel writers, the guys of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four that tell us and give us insight into the life of Jesus. Jesus lives out a life a certain way that you and I, as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, must embody in our own walk with him. He set the example. My question is, what was the example? And Lord, how do I live this out now? If this is what you're calling us to as followers of Jesus, Throughout all of church history, from the beginning of time, we've called these things spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, if you will. Now, don't think of a spiritual discipline as like you're in trouble type of discipline. Discipline is that rigorous thing that I will discipline myself and do this thing. Just like when you train to be an athlete, you will discipline yourself the way you intake food, the way you drink your water, the way you work out. There's a certain discipline, lifestyle, that gets you to be an incredible athlete. Does that make sense? So we must look at Jesus and say, what was the way of life, Jesus, you lived? Because we see you exemplify Everything of the Christian life, there's more there. May we go there as well. I want to define this, depending on what pastor could be speaking, we may use these terms interchangeably. Call them spiritual disciplines. Some of us may call them spiritual practices. So we may use those terms interchangeably. They mean the same thing. But here's what I love is we're going to journey this whole series through some spiritual disciplines. That these spiritual disciplines or practice reflect the life of Jesus. I'm going to ask you, don't you want that? Don't you want to reflect the life of Jesus? Here's a question. Guys, you want to be a better husband? I'll just talk to you, buddy. You'll never be a better husband unless you're more like Jesus Christ. You don't need a series on marriage. I think they're great. You need a series on how to be like Jesus because I guarantee the fruit from that will be a better husband. Wives, you want to be a better godly wife. Ooh, there's more women that want to be got more godly men. Same thing. Because here's the heart of our spiritual disciplines that we put in place to reflect more of Jesus Christ. Because the spiritual disciplines you and I put into place, it's the formation and transformation of our heart, of our mind, of our spirit, and our soul. It's where God meets us to transform us into the likeness of him, to form us to become a better husband. To form us to become a better spouse. To form us, God willing, to be a better parent. Because we all know we need that. Amen, parents? I mean, they, weren't, they did not come out of the mother's womb with a birth manual. I wish. I got three kids. They're all three way different. I wish each of them came out with an owner's manual. But they don't. 
And so you learn, it's just, God, I, man, I, I, treat, I don't treat them differently, but I may have to discipline this one differently than this one because this one responds to that discipline. This one doesn't. And so, yeah, as a parent, as my wife and I, we may discipline our kids differently because they respond to discipline. Now, this is like the bad discipline, the correction discipline, differently. It's in these moments that this is what we get to become that better worker, to, be, to become that better employee, to become that better business owner. It's my collar, sorry. You know how I know you want this? Because I know you're tired of carrying around that root of bitterness in your heart. You know how I know you want this? Because you know I want to walk in total freedom from whatever that's, that thing is. And it's in these places that the Lord meets us when we put into place some spiritual disciplines in our life. Those spiritual practices. And here's the thing. This is the beauty of it. You don't have to do any of this. You and I get to do this. And it's awesome. So let's journey for five minutes real quick of some of the topics you and I will be discussing. And I'm going to give you a disclaimer. I'm going to show you and then just show you one verse because we're going to go through all these for the next several months. And we're going to bounce around. We may not just do four weeks on this one, four weeks. We could do two weeks here, one week on this one, one week, bounce all the way back to the first one. We don't ever work for God's grace. God's grace covers it all. What I love about the spiritual disciplines is that it always points us more to the cross. It always points us more to Jesus. And that's the beauty of this. So some of it, we're going to talk what's known as the secret place. Now, the secret place doesn't mean like, oh, what are you doing over in that corner? That's weird. You know, not like that. The secret place is what I'm talking about is this is why I sit in this chair. Those moments where it's just you and the Lord. It's secret because no one else sees it. It's the moments between you and Jesus. And I love, look, according to Mark, Watch what Jesus says about this. We're going to get into this next week. Can't wait. So I'm going to go quick. Ready? Very early in the what, friends? In the morning. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, referring to Jesus, went out, made his way to a what? A deserted place. He got away. And what did he do? He prayed. He got away from it all went to this place where it was just him and the father. And I know for a moment, I love my favorite, this verse is awesome, but I have a favorite portion of this verse. It's the first like five, six words of this verse. Very early in the what, friends? In the morning. And all you night owls are like, oh, great. Early in the morning. I told this to our nine o'clock service. Just allow this to float and then take it or flush it. 
I wonder if the rhythm of our life hasn't been broken by the fall. That God has a cycle for the sun, day and night. I wonder if our cycle is broken because of the fall, and that's how we end up with night owls. Now, I'm not calling night owls sinners. Please hear me. I'm not saying that. Because I don't know if anyone in here wants to wake up early in the morning, like at three, and get all excited. Yay, three o'clock, I get to go pray now. Like, I, I don't, you're super spiritual if that's you. I want to be like you. No, I want to be like Jesus, because I see that in Jesus. That's what, like, does that make sense? I'm just curious. Because you look all throughout scripture, you're going to see this theme, and I'll bring it up next week, how Jesus got away at a particular time. And I know there's weird seasons we're in, in life, right? There's weird seasons. But it's really interesting to know when he, how he began his day, and how you and I can. Here's another thing we're going to talk about. I can't wait. We're going to talk about prayer. I told the nine o'clock services, and I'll tell you, I really felt the Lord says he's going to build a house of prayer here. And I don't mean just inside this facility. I mean the house is you and I. We will be a house of prayer. And that he's going to do incredible things with us. You know, of all the things that the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them, it was this prayer. You know why? I think they saw Jesus have a special communion with the Father. And they said, I want that. They could have said, Jesus, teach us how to heal. Jesus, because that would be pretty cool, right? Jesus, can you tell us how to heal? Can you give us that? Or Jesus, help us to become better preachers or evangelists. So when we go out, when you send us off by two by two, give us, give us more, something to actually say to people, maybe. Tell us how to do it. What's the formula? Because there is no formula. It's the power of the spirit in your life, by the way. And this is what Luke records for us. It says, he, Jesus, was there. He's praying in a what? In a certain place. You see this? He had a place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, who's referring to John the Baptist taught his disciples. We're going to talk about prayer. I can't wait. I can't wait for us to talk about the Lord's prayer that follows this. I can't wait to unpack it for you. It's not bad to recite the Lord's prayer, but I don't think that was the full purpose of what the Lord taught. Was it, it was prescriptive and descriptive. And we're going to walk through that together. It's going to be fun. We're going to have moments where we just become a house of prayer in the moment and maybe one service we just worship and pray in groups. I told the staff a month ago or so, I used other language, but I'm going to use this language. Why don't we just whiteboard all of our services? Who says we have to do songs up front, message, song? Who says that? You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start putting the word at the front of the service. Don't leave. Because I know for many in America, and it's, I, I, again, it's a, I, my viewpoint is American. It feels that the service is done when the word is done being preached. Some of the most powerful moments happen after the word, by the way. That's why you should never leave early. Unless you have to. Unless you have to. Please hear me. If the crock pot is going to burn, you need to go. 
Okay? Does that make sense? Please hear my heart. You got to go. Go. But don't leave. Don't leave. I'm fully aware what time it is. Fully aware. It is 10 afternoon. Okay? Here's what I know. You guys are probably Lions fans. They play at 820. We got a lot of time. Okay? I told our staff this. I'm I'm telling you, the Lord's doing a work. The Lord's doing a work. He's going to take us to more. There's the power of testimony you have. What would happen if our service turns into a three-hour service? I'm serious. I'm serious. Go to Africa, and our brothers and sisters in Africa will worship, and they have to. the pastor finally has to say, calm down with the worship. We've been doing that an hour and a half. I have a word to bring, right? Come on. What can we learn from our brothers and sisters in other countries? Get out of our American mindset and just say, Lord, we want you. Whatever that looks like, then we call that the service. Sound good? Okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. We're going to talk about worship. Worship is not just through song. Worship is a lifestyle. It's so much more than just lyrics on a screen. And I can't wait. Don't worry. We'll talk about some of the lyrics on the screen. We'll talk about that. We'll get into different postures. What I always want to do for you is the Lord says, teach my people, Ryan. So what my heart to you, especially when we get to the worship, is to expose you to different postures of worship that we see in God's word. And I want to expose you to that. And then you take that to the Lord and see what he would have in store for you. I will never tell you that you have to do something. I will encourage, and we've done this, and you guys have responded. Hey, in this moment, if you feel comfortable, that's our language all the time. Do you see that? We don't force it. If you feel comfortable, let's raise our hands in this moment like we're receiving something, right? We've done that. If you feel comfortable when we're praying over there, praying over someone up on stage, will you reach out your hand? Because we see the laying of hands all over scripture. Listen, I don't get how God works sometimes, but I know this. People are healed and gifts, spiritual gifts are given when hands are laid on people. I don't ever want to miss a moment when the Lord may give you something because we're too afraid to put hands on you. why sometimes he works that way sometimes he doesn't I, you know why I think he does that so you and I don't get used to the way God moves because we become stale at that point we make it formulative our faith is never formulated God moves in mysterious ways right all right we gotta get going I'm not gonna sit down um John says this, and I love the words of Jesus and the gospel writer tells us this is Jesus's words when they're in the upper room Jesus' intimate prayer with his disciples, he says this, but an hour is coming and now and is now here when the true worshipers, that's what I want us to become. That's what the Lord wants us to become. That we worship in spirit and in truth. And we'll probably unpack that throughout that um, teaching. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. That's the heart of the Father. Worship me. There's a lot of things in this world that's grabbing our attention. And unfortunately, some of us have succumbed to that 
and ascribed worth to that thing. And God's saying, I want the worth because I deserve it. It is who I am. Worship me. I want us to sit back and listen to this incredible testimony about encountering God in a miraculous way and just doing a posture of worship. So let's watch this video. Good day, everyone. My name is Wayne Ducharme. My wife, Jeannie Gershall, and I have been attending Radiant Life for approximately four years now. On October the 9th, Sunday morning service, I experienced a miracle. My left rotator cuff had been giving me problems for about two years now. Um, I had a fall, so I believe that was the genesis of, of the discomfort. It pained me beyond not being able to lift my hand above horizontal. I couldn't drive without having two pillows under my left arm. I couldn't sleep on my left side. I could take my finger and pinpoint the exact position of it, of where the tear was. On October the 9th, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock worship, I lifted my hands to a song that we were singing. The second song, I observed that my arms were still raised, swinging, surrendering unto the Lord. And I realized I just experienced a miracle in the total healing of this arm. I can do anything with it now. I'm out in the woods splitting wood uh, with my chainsaw, cutting it, splitting it, hauling it to my neighbors. I can sleep on my left side. I can raise my arm unto the King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. It's what God did for me. I want to transfer this and encourage you that God can do it for you. By the raising of our arms, it's a point of surrender within us. No one's forcing us. It's a decision we make. And when we're in that position, we're in a position to receive, hands extended. If you give me something, I have to reach out and take it and receive it. I received my healing that day. God has just been gracious. He's granted me favor. And to him be all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. I also want to encourage you that we, or Jeannie and I are on a prayer team. You see people up here in the after services ready to pray. If you have a need, if you need a healing, come and be blessed. Come and exchange what you have for what Jesus has for you. Come and lift your arms even when we worship as a sign of surrender, as a sign of receiving what he has for each of us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My question to us is, what if? What if we changed a posture one time and the Lord says, that's all I was asking. I have something for you. Just what if? Let's call a couple more and we're going to wrap this up. Um, number, number whatever is silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. This is so countercultural to our society today. Hurry, 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 hurry. But I love, and this is all throughout scripture, we just pulled one from Matthew, he says this about Jesus. After dismissing the crowds, he just fed the 5,000. He just fed, he did this incredible miracle. And it says he, Jesus, went up to the mountain by himself. Now introverts right there say, praise God. <laughs> yeah, go by yourself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. 
Now, some of you night owls say, ah, there it is. See, well into the night. We're good. We covered them all. But the point is this. He got away from everything that was going on. And he got away and spent time with the Father. What does that look like for you and I? You can't overflow what's not coming in. You can't. Don't overflow. Don't try to overflow on an empty well. Dig a deep well of intimacy with Jesus Christ and watch what happens. Here's another one. that We've lost this art. We've completely lost the art of confession and repentance. You know, it's, it's something that we see other denominations get maybe legalistic about. And so what we've done is we've swung the pendulum the other way and say we just don't even practice it anymore. And here's what I mean by confession. Confession, yes, you do confess your sins to the Heavenly Father. He will forgive you, right? That's good. We've lost the art of confession to one another. We've lost that art. Now, I'm not saying now you got to come and set up appointments with me to confess all your sins. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Here's the issue. When one part of the body hurts, the whole hurts. We've lost just saying, hey, I need prayer, man. I messed up last night. I yelled at my spouse last night, and I'm, I'm going to confess that to you. I had a beautiful moment. This is awesome. This is a story. I've never had this happen before in all my ministry. Um, I stood down there on stage this summer, and I had a man that was here from South Africa. Awesome accent. Like, I'm like, you need to speak to me, because I'm, I'm all ears, just listening to you. And you know what? He came up, and he says, I must confess my... I don't, I don't, I've never met him. He was here for two weeks from South Africa. And he's back. And if you're watching, hello. And he says this, I must confess to you. I've already confessed to the Lord, but I want to bring my sin before you. And will you please pray over me? I was like, whoa, Sunday morning. I said, yeah. And I think I could share, the confession was a loss of fire. And I just want you to, I need to confess this to a brother. That was the kind, I need to just confess that to a brother. Please pray for me. It's like, awesome. What happens if we become that community? You don't need to come into church with a mask on. I want our masks gone. I was going to say left in the parking lot. I want our masks burned in the fire. I don't want them in the parking lot. I want them burned in the fire and we can say, hey, I need help. I need help. And I need brothers and sisters to pray for me. Bring me up to the throne room of grace, please. Because I need you. And we need each other. And see, confession speaks, repentance walks. Maybe we're kind of good at confession, but repentance, you think we've confused confession with repentance. Confess your sins that you did wrong because they're ugly before God because he is holy. But listen, repent means turn from that way and you're walking a different life now. Right? Hey, it's wrong to sleep with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I'm confessing that we did, but praise God for grace and forgiveness. I'm repent and turning away, and we're going to live a holy life now until we put a ring on it and get married, and then the fireworks can happen. That's marriage. That is a godly marriage, by the way. His way. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful to forgive. Praise God he's faithful to forgive. 
man. And he doesn't just do that. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you can be a clean vessel for God. Perfect? Oh, no, you know you're still in a work in progress. But you're forgiven, and you're a clean vessel. And when you're a clean vessel, fill me, Holy Spirit. I want more of you. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. Here it goes. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. We need to do this so that, I love that article there, so that, here's the reason, you may be what, friends? Healed. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of our issue, maybe, 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 Some of our healing is because we haven't confessed our sin to one another. And God's just saying, I'm waiting for that, for my healing to come. You've confessed to me. Just say that to that sister. Say that to your brother. All they're going to do is pray for you, and you're going to get that. Maybe. Does God always work that way? No. But perhaps. What happens when we actually start living out scripture? (laughs) Novel idea. 2 Peter 3.9. I'm almost done, I promise. The Lord does not delay his promise. Aren't you thankful for that? Listen, it may not be on your timing, though. And that's when we think he's delayed. As some of you understand delay, but is patient with you. Praise God for that as well, huh? Aren't you glad the Lord's patient with you? May we be patient with others just as the Lord is patient with us. Wow, that's hard. That's hard. Not wanting, you hear the heart of the Lord, not wanting any to perish, but all come to, what's that one word? Repentance, right? Repentance. Here's the second to last one. We're there. Ban, come up. I know you're not there yet, Ban, but come on up. Holiness. You're like, what? That's a spiritual discipline? Listen, this culture's getting darker. We must live holy lives. Our holy lives will pierce the darkness. Culture is discipling Christians today. May the word of God disciple us. And it is a holiness There's a sanctifying, a set apart. You know why there's holiness? We just sung, holy, holy, holy are you. Holy are you. Jesus' own words in the prayer. Sanctify, set them apart, Lord. How? By the truth. We must become people that know the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself. He's setting the example. Jesus is so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. And here's the last one, community. We need each other. We need each other. Biblical community for followers of Jesus Christ should never be an option on the table. It should be an absolutely, I do that. I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who will make me better, not pull me down. We need each other. And as the Proverbs go, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Men, you need godly men in your life. Ladies, you need godly women in your life. You need it. And the beauty, we need each other. We need each other. These are just a few of the things you and I are going to talk about. God has more for you. I can't wait to see what he does in you and through you this coming year. 
I'm going to close with this. Spiritual disciplines are the ecosystems in which the garden of personal transformation grows. It begins here. These spiritual disciplines and practice, here's what it allows. It allows us to live in it's one of my favorite things Jesus says. John writes this in John chapter 15. Verse 4 and 5, he says this, Remain in me and I in you. Remain in me. I wonder how many of us have just gotten off the wagon a little bit. And we think coming to church is the remaining in me. There's more. And this is this. Here's the promise. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much. What, friends? There's the, there's the promise of God. You remain in me. I will remain in you. And you're going to produce fruit. Because nothing apart from me, you can't do anything. <laughs> you need the fruit of forgiveness. You need the fruit of love and joy. You need the fruit of patience. You and I, may we dig deep, deep roots so we can bear not little fruit, but the biggest fruit of the spirit we can as we surrender. But get this, remaining is something we must choose. You don't have to, you get to. And I thank Jesus that he set up these things for you and I to follow so we can experience more of him. And the beauty of all this is this, this right here. And I close, this is my last one. Team, I'm going to pray and then just go into that song, okay? What this ultimately does, it places us before God. It's to place us before God. Look here. Transform me. It's a more of you. And it's a place. It places us before God. He has more for you. So Heavenly Father, would you help us not just to be a community that says we want more of you, But Heavenly Father, would you help us to actually become a community that puts us in the right environment, that puts us before you, God, so we understand more of you. And understanding who you are, God, will ultimately reveal and understand our own identity of who we are to transform us and form us more into the image of Jesus Christ. God, may we go wherever you call us. We want more of you. And together, we are united and say, in Jesus' name, amen.